0: Good morning, and thank you for enjoying it with a six-pack, the Scani Six-Pack, the only podcast that's bringing you the top stories in Wisconsin sports every single day. I'm your host, Kedrick Stumbrous, and you can follow me on Twitter at Kedrick Stumbrous, and follow the podcast at Scani Six-Pack to get the latest updates in Wisconsin sports. we got to talk about the big story coming out of yesterday, the NFL Draft. That's right. Nothing happened yesterday in Wisconsin sports except for uh, us preparing for the NFL Draft. And the Milwaukee Brewers avoiding being swept by the Detroit Tigers. Uh, we do not need to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks on this podcast. Uh, at least sitting here. I'm sitting here recording this at uh, 4.40 a.m. Central Time. And Coach Mike Budenholzer has not yet been fired. I can say that much. Uh, what an epic collapse yesterday by the Milwaukee Bucks. Just, you really can't say exactly how that loss makes you feel because there's just no way to know where the Milwaukee Bucks go from here and we talked about this a little bit yesterday on that podcast of this now has to get maybe blown up while there is an ownership change meaning that we as fans really do not know what's going to happen next Uh, I think coach Mike Bunholzer is probably going to be out and be out very soon Um, But I think there's probably real structural changes that are going to come to this Milwaukee Bucks roster as well in this offseason, but it's probably a little bit too early to speculate on what those changes might be. Meanwhile, the NFL draft starts today, and this is a really exciting time to be a Green Bay Packer fan, because for the first time in a while, I think Green Bay has a really big opportunity to shape its roster for the future in a handful of different ways with this NFL draft Uh, because you are going into a season with a new starting quarterback for the first time in a very long time and you need to give that quarterback the best resources you can to succeed. So let's talk about where the Packers are going to go from here. Uh, I've mentioned this in the last week or so, that we're going to do an episode just dedicated to uh, a big Packers NFL draft preview. We're going to talk about who we think the Packers need to pick in terms of position, who we think the Packers are going to pick, and what are the guys who kind of overlap those two areas in terms of their need, what we think the Packers like to pick in a prospect, and looking at those so that you're not just looking at a full mock draft and trying to figure out, oh, okay, the Packers picked this guy in this instance, means that this is a guy that I should follow. But what does it mean for all the other players picked around uh, the Packers in that mock draft? Would these also be potential guys to go to the Green Bay Packers? We're going to isolate this down all the way into just who you should be looking for as Packers fans to go off the board to the Green Bay Packers. This episode was actually a... Listener suggestions, so thank you for providing those suggestions. Uh, keep them coming. Shoot me a DM on Twitter, again, at Ketrid Stumbrus, or uh, at the podcast, at Pack, And always happy to respond to those, or you can leave those questions, those suggestions in uh, the Apple Podcast reviews. Always look forward to those and give me the best thing we can. First of all, the NFL Draft starts tonight, the first round, at 7 p.m. Central Time. You can watch that on ESPN, ABC, the NFL Network. Uh, I will be going live on Twitter Spaces to record a live ep- live episode of the podcast shortly after round one wraps up, not after pick 13. And we'll talk about that in a little bit here uh, as to why after the first round ends rather than after uh, pick 13 goes off the board, where the Green Bay Packers have their sole first-round selection uh, tonight for now. Um and obviously, hop into that Twitter space, and Kendrick Stumbrus also try to get uh, the podcast feed, listening to it as well, at Skyny6Pack, and then we'll record it and put that into your uh, Spotify, Apple podcast feed the next morning as well. But hop in there, take a listen, we will take live listener questions, uh, you can request to speak, otherwise just put those in my Twitter mentions, and we'll follow along, have a great reaction to Packers' first round of the draft, and talk about than what we might be looking for in day two of the draft as well. So, first question in this episode is, what do we know about who the Packers like to pick? We're talking about who we think is going to come off the board for the Packers. But that means that we need to talk about the kinds of players that the Packers like to pick. And the main way we look at that is with a high RAS score, the relative athletic score players take do athletic testing during the nfl combine during their pro days and also of course have their height and weight taken so between that that athletic testing and that size testing those measurements of a player the raz the relative athletics Score compares those testing numbers relatively to other players at their same position so tight ends you know 40 times uh, broad jump uh vertical jump are compared against other tight ends, and quarterbacks are compared against other quarterbacks, so on and so forth, and those scores are done on a score from 0 to 10. The Green Bay Packers under Brian Gutekunst really seem to focus on taking most guys with scores above an 8.0 and above a 9 when they can find them. There are certain positions, too, that the Packers emphasize having athletic guys at more than other positions. Overall, Packers like big athletes Athletic freaks most of the time. And guys with high levels of college production as well. Uh, if you look at uh, guys like Jordan Lowe, for example. Not a guy who fits that same athletic profile above an eight, for sure. But also had some really great college production. He goes with that as well. So, those are the kinds of players the Packers like to pick. But what do the Packers need in this draft? In my opinion, Packers need a handful of positions coming out of this draft, which they need more help in this draft than I think ultimately Packers have needed across a number of positions for a long time. This is the first draft in quite a while where I can remember us saying quite plainly, Packers need help at, uh, I think I have five, I have five positions listed here, and I probably could have done So the first is safety. Packers have real personnel issues in the secondary. Darnell Savage doesn't really seem to fit anywhere very well at the safety position. They had him playing in nickel, had him playing over the top where he wasn't doing very well, and just he's... The Darnell Savage experiment has not worked out great. And not having Eric Stokes at quarterback with this ankle injury uh, that he suffered in last season and potentially, it sounds like, missing part of this upcoming season doesn't give a lot of Packers uh, options at the safety slash, you know, defensive back nickel safety position where maybe you slide a corner in there on the interior. The problem is that this is a really bad draft class for safeties. Uh, We'll we'll talk about that a little bit more here in the second half of this episode, but this is not a good draft class for safeties, and that's going to make the Packers' problems with playing safety difficult. I did hear a theory about why this is maybe a bad draft class for safeties is because the nfl plays a 2 high safety system across most defenses while the college game is playing a lot of three high safety looks uh because you are getting those offenses so much more spread out that you need those three safeties to defend against it so it's hard to find safeties that translate really well from the college game to the pro game so that's one theory about it i've not done enough Deep diving on that myself to decide whether or not they agree, but uh, that did happen. So, the other position Packers need this draft, position two, is wide receiver. Packers drafted three wide receivers last year. and So, maybe it's a bit surprising to hear Packers need another one. Uh, last year, the Packers drafted Christian Watson. of course, traded up into the early second round with the Minnesota Vikings to go grab him. They drafted Romeo Dobbs and Samari Toure. The problem is that those three, Watson, Dobbs, and Toure, are now the longest tenure-wide receivers on the roster. Everyone's gone. With the departure of Alan Lazard at all, there is nobody left on this roster who has a long time spent in McFleur offense. And Watson, Dobbs, and Toure really can't do it on their own. The Packers need a pass catcher, and maybe that pass catcher doesn't come at the wide receiver position, maybe he comes at the tight end position, which is the third position that the Packers need help with in this draft. Uh, tight end and safety were what everyone in, you know, Packers Twitter, Packers Facebook fan groups, whatever, were talking about what the Packers need in this class before everyone realized that the safeties were bad. Uh, now everyone's talking about the tight ends and wide receivers because Josiah DeGuara. Is the closest thing the Packers have to a real, you know, competitive tight end one on the Scrosser and Josiah Deguara is a nice, like, gadgety piece, but he does not fit that true X or even true Y uh, receiver tight end that the Packers need to be pointing out there. Also, lining up on that offensive side of the ball, maybe next to a tight end, is the offensive line. Packers first of all always take an offensive line with every draft. And in this draft, the Packers need to take a tackle because although Yash Nyman stayed with the Packers signing his restricted free agent tender to remain with the Green Bay Packers this season, he is likely gone after the season. And if you look at the David Bakhtiari contract situation, the David Bakhtiari being uh, maybe not so happy with the Green Bay Packers rebuild, retool situation... David Bakhtiari will probably be gone next season. Same with Yash Nyman, at least one of them, if not both. So the Remo Hackers do need another tackle to play opposite, you know, Zach Tom, uh, or maybe you kick Eldon Jenkins back outside. I hope not. I think he's better on the in- interior as a guard, but you need somebody to probably step up and play tackle at least in a backup position, you know, next season uh, in 2024 with a lot of regularity. So you need to start developing that offensive tackle now. Lastly, uh, the first position we talked about was on the defensive side of the ball. The last position we'll talk about is on the defensive side of the ball is edge rusher. I think overall, the Packers need help on the defensive line generally, um, but edge especially. You have to remember that uh, Rashawn Gary tore his ACL back in November, and he might not be back to start the season. Sounds like there's positive news on that front, but might not might not be getting it back. Uh even so, it's no guarantee that Rashawn Gary has not lost a step due to that East ACL injury. Uh also Preston Smith is old and he's not gonna have it forever. Kingsley and who the Packers drafted last year as an edge rusher, looked solid in his rookie season, but the Packers do need depth behind them. So the Packers' big picture in terms of what they need is Packers need to find out what they have with Jordan Love. And we said that right off the top here is that Packers need to get help for Jordan Love. And they need to give Jordan Love the best chance to succeed because the organization needs to determine if he is the guy moving forward uh if he isn't the guy moving forward if you look at everything that you've given Jordan Love in this season and he fails spectacularly you know you go one and 16 you go three and 14 whatever it is then you go up and you go get Caleb Williams or you get Drake May in next year's quarterback draft uh because those are your options at that point and when you're going to have a couple of first-round picks at worst with the Packers' first-round pick in 2024 and most likely the Jets' first-round pick in 2024, you got to be able to go up and find the package uh, to get those guys, especially when it seems like so many NFL teams that are quarterback needy right now are going to go and try to go find those guys this NFL draft. The Athletic put out Uh, their beat writers draft their beat writers mock draft just yesterday and they had five quarterbacks go in the first round so although I'm not super enamored with this quarterback class it doesn't seem like there's a ton of people who are super enamored with this quarterback class there are just a lot of guys there Uh, it means that a lot of those quarterback needy teams are going to have those guys off of the board and they're not going to want to take a first-round guy in back-to-back years, uh, although, you know, (laughs) maybe the Arizona Cardinals uh, can always prove us wrong, uh, like taking, you know, Josh Rosen and then Kyler Murray back-to-back, although clearly that was the right move to move on from Josh Rosen very quickly, uh, it means that the Packers will likely have a better chance to move up and go get Caleb Williams or Drake May if they really need to. And you only know if you need to do that if you give Jordan Love the best chance to succeed this season. So fill some holes on this offense in this draft and figure out what it is you can do with it. Let's talk about the Packers' top 30 visits and what do they tell us about the Green Bay Packers' plans for this draft. We've talked about who the Packers like to pick, who we think the Packers need. Now let's talk about who the Packers are actually looking at and if that falls into those same categories of who we think the Packers pick and who we think the Packers need are they looking at the same guys? So first, what are top 30 visits? You are allowed. Teams are allowed to visit with three guys ahead of the draft and bring them into your facility and talk to them. Figure out. You know, maybe you are trying to assess character stuff. Maybe you're trying to test their knowledge on the scheme. Maybe you are uh, just bringing them in to have your own medical evaluators look at them. But you're allowed to have thirty top visits and. With those 30 players that have come in to visit with the Green Bay Packers, I think we can see four different things very clearly from these top 30 visits. The first is that the Packers really want a tight end in this draft, which matches up with the fact that we think the Packers need a tight end coming out of this draft. Packers have brought in four tight ends that could get drafted, three of them that will go in the top 50. First is Michael Mayer from Notre Dame then Dalton Kincaid from Utah, and Darnell Washington from Georgia. We'll talk about all three of those uh, more in depth in the latter half of the show. Packers are also clearly very interested in Josh White, uh, the tight end out of Cincinnati. He is likely a day three pick, but the Packers visited with him at the Senior Bowl, at the NFL Combine, and brought him in for his visit. Uh, I think that the Packers have a really good potential to take Uh, Josh Wiley out of Cincinnati, if their other favorites, favorite or favorites, tight end, uh, slip by the Packers on day one and two, or they could potentially even take him as a second tight end in this draft, because the Packers probably really are that tight end, that pass catcher. Uh, second, the Packers also really want to take a pass rusher. They brought in two potential first round guys, although they're more likely, uh, late first or early second round guys. Those are Will McDonald from Iowa State, and then Felix Anaduge uzoma from Kansas State. They also brought in a pair of day two guys. Keon White out of Georgia Tech, and Adite. Wow, man, this is so difficult. Adete De Adeboware out of Northwestern. And also, the third thing is that the Packers really like someone from the Tennessee Volunteers. I don't know who it is, though. And I don't think anybody really knows who it is. Because the Packers have brought in three uh, guys, or they've visited with three different players from this ten- from this Tennessee Volunteers team who are in uh, this upcoming draft class, and also attended Tennessee's Pro Day. They brought in Darnell Wright, the offensive tackle, uh, Hendon Hooker, Tennessee's quarterback from last season who got injured down the stretch and lost the latter end of his season and then the Packers also met with Jalen Hyatt uh, the Tennessee's number one wide receiver at the combine and then there was some reporting the Packers are interested in him uh, and that reporting came out after uh, Brian Gutekunst visited Tennessee's probate I think the fourth thing that we can see from the Packers top 30 visits is that the Packers might be looking to pick somewhere else in the first round. Somewhere else besides the 13th overall pick. And obviously we knew for quite a while that Packers were probably seeking to pick somewhere else besides the 15th pick, uh, given that they made that pick swap when trading Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets, but... I think it's even more obvious that Packers are looking to pick somewhere else in the first round other than 13 because Michael Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame we mentioned before, is the highest-rated prospect on the Athletics Consensus Big Board that the Packers had in for a visit. So the highest-rated prospect Packers had in for a visit is on the board at 14. At 14! So if we were thinking that the Packers were going to pick somewhere in the 13 or 15 pick range. That would, I guess, make sense. But then the next highest guy on the big board that the Packers visited with was Dalton Kincaid, the tight end from Utah. And he's not on the board all the way until 24. And then it's Darnell Wright, uh, Tennessee's offensive tackle at 25. So the Packers didn't bring anyone in for a visit who is on the big board higher than where they are picked. It means that the Packers aren't. Exploring anyone. In the case they fall from much higher. Than where they are expected to go. And it also tells me that. They are looking to trade up. Here at 14. Um In his five drafts. As general manager of the Green Bay Packers. Brian Gutekunst traded up. In the first three. And then did not trade up. In the latter two. But trading up in the first round is not something that Brian Gutekunst shies away from. Of course, now he kind of traded up two spots with uh, the Aaron Rodgers trade already. But it does say say to me that Packers aren't really exploring trying to go up and get a guy if he starts falling and they think they need to, you know, get up to 10 to go get a guy that they really would want to have. Um, it does tell me, though, that... Packers may want to get a look at some of these later first-round guys. And we talked about the fact that they brought in Dalton Kincaid for a visit, who's on the board at 24, Darnell Wright, who's at 25. Obviously, a good chunk of spots lower than where the Green Bay Packers are picking at 13. Says to me that, you know, maybe now the Packers trade down from 13, and they're hoping to be in a better position... To trade down in case any of these quarterbacks fall. Um, any of these teams who will, may want to trade back up into a quarterback range. Seeing maybe Anthony Richardson or Will Levis falling down the board. Because I don't think anybody really knows where those two guys are going. Uh, they could go very early. They could go very late. And so the Packers getting themselves up to 13 could give them a better spot four guys to say, oh, yeah, we want to trade up and go get one of those quarterbacks. Can we trade up with you to get there? Um, and I think leapfrogging the, the Patriots really helps uh, Packers doing that, too, because I think there's a really good chance the Patriots end up taking a quarterback in uh, this draft if, uh, if in fact one falls. So if team wants to trade up to 13 with the Packers, Packers could stock up on another potential first next season and could then have three first-round picks in 2024. Imagine if Jordan Love isn't that great. Then you have three solid first-round picks, assuming you get that first-round pick from the Jets, and that is a whole lot of trade bait that you can use to go and get a potential franchise quarterback in Caleb Williams from USC or Drake May from North Carolina. Maybe Packers aren't looking to trade down from 13, though. Maybe the Packers are trying to get a guy at 13 and then trade back into the first round later on. Uh, Brian Gutekunst cl- said very clearly when this trade for Aaron Rodgers went down that he said he wouldn't have held out for this 13-for-15 swap if he didn't feel it was important. And this trade, although it was two picks only, jumped Green Bay over the Jets and the Patriots, who have similar positional needs at wide receiver and offensive line as the Green Bay Packers do. So, jumping up to 13, does that give the Packers a better chance at getting Peter Skowaranski, the offensive line talent out of Northwestern, or Paris Johnson Jr., the offensive tackle talent out of Ohio State, or Jack Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver talent out of Ohio State? So, jumping up there, and then giving you the ability to then have additional assets from this Rodgers trade in this extra second-round pick to then trade back up and grab one of these tight ends late in the first, so then you're able to get, you know, a wide receiver and a tight end, or an offensive lineman and a tight end in the first round. Either way, whether it's the Packers trading down more from 13 and believe they are putting themselves in a much better position to do so by having the 13th versus 15th pick, or they really like to have the 13th pick to get a guy that they hopefully think falls to them, and then trade back up into the first round. Either way, I don't think the story on draft night is going to be the 13th pick for the Green Bay Packers. I think the story is going to be something different about how Green Bay maneuvers its way in the first round of this draft. I don't think 13 is where the Packers are done. And that's why we're not going live on on Twitter spaces until near the end of the first round. So in the second half of the show, we're gonna talk about who are the potential picks for the green Bay hackers in the first round. But first, I need to tell you about Tick Pick, which is where I get all of my tickets. And this isn't an app, this is just a service I love, and I want you to save money on your next ticket purchase. Maybe you're buying tickets to one of the upcoming Brewer's home games. You know, we're only fifteen percent of the way through the brewer's home seat through the brewer's season. And it's time to get out there, get to a baseball game. And when you use Tick Pick to buy those tickets, you will never pay service or delivery fees like you will on other ticket-selling apps. And it comes with TickPick's best price guarantee. If you find a better price somewhere else for the same ticket, TickPick will refund you twice the difference in credit toward your next purchase. Plus, if you use my link in the podcast description, you'll save $10 on your first order. So go to the Google Play Store, go to the Apple App Store, type in the TickPick app, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, download it, Use my link in the podcast description to get $10 off in your first order. Never pay service or delivery fees for tickets ever again. That's TickPick, T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K. So who might go in the first round for the Bay Packers? First, let's talk about the position. Everybody wants to see the Packers pick a first-round talent at. And that is wide receiver. First of all, how hilarious would it be if the Packers picked a wide receiver in the first round? Three days after trading Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets, it's hard to call anything objectively funny, but that would be as close as it gets to objectively funny. Um, So I think the only guy that could be a first-round wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers is it's Jackson Smith and Jigba or no one. This is a weird wide receiver class. There's not many big and athletic guys which is what Goot typically looks for. Most guys in this wide receiver class are either big or athletic. And I think it's much more likely that Green Bay goes for a wide receiver on day two that better fits that profile, because I think there's a guy like Jonathan Mingo floating out there who would be a perfect Green Bay Packer. Uh, But if Jack the Smith and Jigba falls, that might be the guy. He is small. For this class but he's not the smallest he's also relatively athletic here's again like zay flowers who's teeny teeny tiny i think what what he's listed at five foot nine height he's not he's zay flowers is not going to be a green bay packer i have a hard time seeing uh Quentin johnston becoming a green bay packer i just don't think the fit is right there either for the packers but Jackson Smith and Jigba has been incredibly, incredibly productive as a wide receiver at Ohio State. He sat most of last season with an injury, you know, an injury that he suffered what was it, week one or week two, um, that kept him out the rest of the season. The speculation around all of college football was that he probably could have played, but was probably just preserving his draft stock. Um so, maybe that's why you haven't heard about Jackson Smith and Jigba before leading up to this draft. You're confused why he's getting all of this hype, even though you did not hear his name called on Saturdays at all last season. Well, that's why. So, I think wide receiver on day one. It's Jackson Smith and Jigba or nobody. So, watch for JSA. The second position that might be a selection for the Green Bay Packers in the first round is offensive tackle. And this is the real reason why I think Brian Gutekunst would value having pick 13 over pick 15 if he's going to pick 13. Because the Patriots and the Jets, who the Packers jumped to get to 13, both need offensive line help, and the best two offensive linemen in this draft, according to the consensus, fall into this range. First, Peter Scaratti, who is probably not going to be here at 13, But the draft industrial complex has loved Skaransky for well over a year now. He went to Northwestern. His dad was a former Green Bay Packer. His dad or his grandfather, whichever of the one, um, if the Packers pick him, that's all you're going to hear about. So uh, I'm sure you'll remember it by the end of the night or at least the end of the weekend. He is a fantastic athlete, but it's just not quite the size you would hope him to be. Um, So he would probably play more as a guard than a tackle, uh, but would be a great pick for the Packers to take and shape into a guard. And then you hope you lock up uh, Josh Nyman and Zach Tom long term after uh, David Bakhtiari goes at the door. The second player would be Paris Johnson Jr., and he is more so an offensive tackle. He was a very talented offensive lineman out of Ohio State. Uh, Johnson Jr. did not test athletically, so he doesn't have a RAS score, but Just, he has incredible accolades, and he switched to offensive tackle just this last season, was left tackle last season. But before that, he was second team All-Big Ten at right guard, and then he kicked to the outside and switched sides of the line and was a first team All-American at left tackle. Really found his home at left tackle in 2023, and, or sorry, in 2022, and he can be an excellent pass blocker. Uh, looked very good in that RPO spread type of scheme that Ohio State runs. I think would fit very well in Green Bay under a you know Shanahan type tree offense that Matt Lafleur is going to be able to scheme up for Jordan Vaughn. He also has you know pretty decent size. Uh, would make a solid fit at offensive tackle. I think the real player to look out for uh, for the Green Bay Packers in. The offensive tackle range, though, is Darnell White. Uh, we mentioned that Darnell White, again, out of Tennessee, uh, the Packers have visited with him, gone to his pro day, done the whole nine months with Darnell White. He's also absolutely the best combination of athleticism and size in this offensive tackle class. He is ginormous and has great speed off the block. In- incredible post. He's further down on the consensus big boards. But once these offensive tackles start going, these like, once you get Peter Skaronsky and Paris Johnson Jr. off of the board, Darnold, Darnold Wright is going to go quickly. Uh, there could be There's going to be a run in the middle of this first round on offensive linemen just because of how the middle of this first round needs offensive line help. So Darnold Wright could absolutely be a pick for the Packers at 13, even though he's further down most draft boards in turn that like are just looking at draft boards as a whole instead of taking team need into account. I think the biggest risk about Darnell Wright is that he didn't really put together a great season until just this past year when everybody on Tennessee's offense put together a great season, but Darnell Wright absolutely has the raw talent to succeed at the offensive tackle position. Let's talk about edge and defensive line. The top two guys in this class on the edge are probably not getting to the Packers, uh, but if they do, I think they absolutely take one of them. First, Will Anderson Jr. from Alabama. If he falls all the way to 13, uh, I will lose my... Like, that's not happening. Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, he could. I think it's maybe a little bit of a stretch. Uh, I think that's more, like, if Tyree Wilson falls down to the Packers at thirteen, he's coming off the board from Packers at thirteen. I think the other guy to look for here is Lucas Van Ness. He is absolutely rocketing up draft boards. You, if you, you know, haven't tuned in to the mock draft stuff, to NFL draft stuff over the last you know few weeks, you could be talking about Lucas Van Ness. I thought he was going you know late in the first round, maybe the second. And I think that this is a range that Lucas Van Ness could absolutely go in uh, here in this thirteenth pick. He is a huge athletic freak out of Iowa. And he didn't even get a starting just get the starting job at Iowa, but he's getting huge, huge, huge stock in this NFL draft because despite not starting, he was second team all Big Ten and led Iowa in tackles for loss. He is extremely raw as a talent, because, you know, he wasn't a starter, um, but if the Packers can get him under control, I, he's going to be an absolute you know, freak, a rush monster, huge, speedy, explosive, strong, lengthy, uh, setting the edge. And I can see in this first season, Rich Bisaccia, absolutely loving Lucas Van Ness on special teams. Uh, he blocked two punts against Iowa State last year, and then in like in the postgame, very specifically said that they were by design of the special teams call. Lucas Van Ness gets it. He's not just going out there and trying to make a mess. He's following the playbook. He's following those special teams designs to a T. That's exactly what you want to hear out of a kid. And you know, would he be ready? I think the biggest question is, would Lucas Van Ness be ready to replace Rashawn Gary? When his contract expires after the 2023 season, because Lucas Van Ness is so raw, would he be ready to take on that starting bull in the second year of his rookie contract? That's maybe the question there. Maybe you're looking for somebody more mature at the position because you know you're going to need a guy to take on a big role in just a year from now. But I think Lucas Van Ness could absolutely be picked here at 13 for the Green Bay Packers. The other guys... On the edge, uh like Will McDonald and and Anaduke Uzoma from Kansas State. Will McDonald, of course, being from Iowa State. We talked about both these guys uh getting top 30 visits with the Packers. I have a hard time seeing them going to the Packers in the first round on day one. Uh they're both pretty undersized, Will McDonald especially, and Gutenkunst has publicly praised the depth at edge in this draft. So I don't know how much of that is true, or if Gutekunst is lying, twisting the truth to try to get you know the draft board to fall the way that he would like to, because all GMs do this, uh, this is the biggest lying week of the season, but if it is true, if Gutekunst really does think that there is tremendous edge depth in this draft, I have a hard time seeing Brian Gudekinst and the Packers grabbing one of these borderline day two guys, like Will Willow McDonald's, and... Anudike Uzoma instead of grabbing a guy at a cheaper value later in the draft. I think it's one of the top three guys here, really, you know, Tyree Wilson or Lucas Van Ness or nothing, because I don't think they're taking McDonald or Anudike Uzoma on day one. I, I just don't think that's happening. Uh, I think when you switch to the interior of the offensive line, another player that could go, I think it would be I originally put this when I was making this outline under the one I could see but would surprise me section, but I thought about it a little bit more and decided that I really think this would be a great pick for the Packers uh, would be Brian Brizzy, the defensive tackle from Clemson, uh, because he absolutely fits what the Packers are looking for in size and athleticism. Uh, He has some significant injury history, though, uh, including being very limited last season. That's why ultimately he fell under would surprise me section, but if the Packers do end up taking him, I will absolutely get it. Um, You know, he has some significant injury history, but at the same position, with the 12th pick, or not at the same position, but similar, also on the defensive line, just the X tier on the edge. With the 12th pick, Packers took Rashawn Gary, despite him having a shoulder injury at the time. So, maybe the Packers are willing to look past it, maybe they don't look past it, or... Those interior defensive line at a tackle position uh, at pick 13 instead of Rashawn Gary at 12. Uh, I think if the Packers aren't concerned with that injury risk, uh, Brian Brzee could absolutely fit and would make a great rotation piece with Kenny Clark or a replacement for Kenny Clark if the Packers let Clark walk when his contract expires after the 2024 season. Brian Brzee is... You know, a, a great recruit. I understand why he's sitting here in the first round still, despite the injury concerns. He's a former top recruit in his high school class. He's absolutely explosive. He could be a huge disruptor up the middle. All right, let's talk about the tight ends, which is what everybody is talking about in this draft class. I'd never hear anybody shop about the tight ends in this class. Never. This is the position... This is the only position that I think I could really see the Packers trading back up into the first round. Uh, We talked about this above in the first half of this episode, where I said, I think the Packers are looking at picking at something that isn't 13. sucks to say they won't pick at 13, but I think they will pick at 13, and then maybe, maybe pick again later in the first round, trade back up into the first round. Uh, And tight end is the one position I could really see the Packers doing that for. I really think the first pick at 13 will be offensive line, Jackson Smith and Jigba, or pass pass rusher. And I don't see the Packers either wanting to or being able to in the case of offensive line, especially because I think those round one guys are going to be gone by the time they want to trade back up. Um, I don't see the Packers wanting to or being able to trade back up into the first for any of those positions of offensive line, wide receiver, or pass rusher to get any of the guys that they would want. I do think, however, Packers could trade back up into the 20 to 30 range and get one of these tight ends that they might want. And there are three guys who could go in the first round at tight end. The first is Michael Bayer. And also, remember, all these guys came in for a top 30 visit with the Green Bay Packers. Michael Mayer tight end out of Notre Dame, is the consensus number one tight end in this class. Everyone loves Mayer like they have loved Peter Skoransky, the offensive lineman out of Northwestern, for a very long time. Mayer is an incredible route runner. He catches dang near everything thrown at him. He broke every record for a tight end at Notre Dame and did it in only three years, which is incredibly impressive at a school with that kind of history. He was the focal point of Notre Dame's offense in just eight. Um, He seemingly plays better than his Raz score would suggest, but his Raz score was really... He's also a bit undersized and needs a lot of work blocking. Uh, Great pass catcher, though. Great route runner, though. I think what might lead to him being picked is that Goot's other two picks at tight end seem to break the high Raz mold that Brian Gutekind typically goes with. He seems to kind of go against that high Raz mold, at tight end position we talked a little bit at the top that there are some positions he values that you know Raz profile at more than others and tight end is one of those that he values so apparently maybe because the other two tight ends that uh, Brian Gutekunst has drafted which had Raz scores were Josiah Aguara, who also had a very met Raz score and Jay Sturger, who had a bad relative athletic score but those two tight ends not break out at all might mean that Gudikins wants to go a different direction and pick somebody with a higher relative athletic score. But Packers did bring Mayer in on a visit, so we'll have to see. The second guy on the consensus board for tight ends is Dolphin Kincaid, tight end out of Utah. And I think the knock right off the top is that he played five years in college, which means Kincaid's kind of old. He's almost two full years older than Michael Mayer and the third guy we're going to talk about. He's also undersized. He's much smaller than Michael Mayer. And we already said that Mayer was a bit undersized. Kincaid also has a back injury, and it's really unclear how long that's going to limit him. It's unclear kind of the severity of that. Uh, Kincaid has not done any of the athletic testing, combine, pro day. We don't know what Kincaid is at this point. And so I think the Packers have too many other positional needs to give up assets to go get adulthood. Uh, I don't think they're taking him at 13, and I really doubt they're you know trading back to then go pick him up later, and I definitely don't see the Packers giving up additional assets to trade up and go grab a guy who is such a risk. The guy that I think makes the most sense at tight end for the Packers is Darnell Washington. This is the tight end out of Georgia. And although he's on a lot of consensus boards as a day two pick, I really think that he's going to go round one because I think he's trending up. I think the tight end position is trending up overall. And if you actually watch film. Or even just watch college football because Darnell, Wright, Darnell Washington, I may have said Darnell Wright before, who is the tackle uh, from Tennessee. This is Darnell Washington. Uh, <laughs> we even just watched college football because Darnell Washington went to Georgia. You may have seen in play, and you know how good that he is. No, he's not Brock Bowers, who is the you know freak athlete, ex receiver uh, at the tight end position for um Georgia, but Darnell Washington is going to be phenomenal in the NFL, in my opinion. He is one of my guys in this draft. He is an absolutely huge athletic freak. In the same way that I described Lucas Van Ness at the tight end position or at the edge position. No. Darnell Washington went to Georgia and, you know, <laughs> in that offensive scheme, you don't have to worry about Washington knowing how to block. You know he knows how to block and you know he'll block his tail off. He'll need some time to develop an understanding of a more complex route tree, but he'll block his tail off while he refines that role in the receiving game. And if you're going to go look for stats on Darnell Washington, don't look at the stats for his receiving game. They really are not reflective of how talented he is because he played opposite of one of the best receiving tight ends in the country on a back-to-back national title team. He's a bit of the Lucas Van Ness of the tight ends, in that sense, where he just hasn't had that same opportunity to break out because he was kind of buried behind guys around him, but not necessarily because he didn't have the same talent as the Dats who wrapped him. Just because everybody around him is good. <laughs> That's what happens when you're at the University of Georgia with a million five stars. Um, so I think Darnold Washington is the guy the Packers trade up for uh, if they're going to trade back up into first round. Uh, I am kind of a double Darnell believer. You take Darnell Bright at 13, and then trade back up to get Darnell Washington. I, I'm I'm a bit of a believer, that that's one I think would be good for the Packers. Two, I think might really be what the Packers choose to do. Uh, let me back into the what I could see but would surprise category. I talked a little bit about Brian Brissie, where I think that would surprise me a little bit just because of his in- injury history, but a couple of other items that I could see, but would surprise me first is Christian Gonzalez, who is a cornerback uh, out of Oregon because he fits the athletic profile that the Packers would be looking for and falls into that, you know, 13 pick range. He just doesn't fit a real neat that the Packers have though, uh, because the Packers have Jair Alexander, they have Rasul Douglas, they have um, Eric Stokes returning. Eventually they don't really need another boundary corner, um, and they don't need another guy who isn't really a slot corner trying to play that position behind Darnell Savage or Keyshawn Nixon. This is probably the only—Christian Gonzalez is probably the only defensive back that I could see the Packers taking in the first round. Uh, Brian Branch, the safety from Alabama, is also getting mocked in the Packers' kind of range, but he just isn't a good fit for what the Packers already have, Uh, With his skill set and his his athletic profile, it just doesn't work with what Packers typically do on defense. It just doesn't make sense. I think the other (laughs) I could see but would surprise me is the quarterback shenanigans. If one of, I think, the most likely candidates for this fall around 13 range the Packers do something with is Anthony Richardson out of Florida or Will Levis out of Kentucky fall, I could see it. I could see that pick happening at 13 from the Packers, and everyone would lose their gosh-dang minds. Uh, Levis, I think, is a bad idea because he's older than Jordan Love, and he's absolutely worse than Jordan Love. That's not even me even being like, I think Jordan Love is great. I think Jordan Love is going to be fantastic. It's me knowing Will Levis is just not that good, and all, everybody, everybody, who is college football person, is like, no, he's not good. And listen, sometimes college football people get it right, particularly with quarterbacks. Sometimes the draft people get it right with quarterbacks. Um, college football people try to tell y'all, Zach Wilson, not good. And now look what's happening in New York. College football people did, however, try to tell you, Josh Allen, not that good. And, well, now look what's happening in a different part of New York. Um, so sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong. Uh, Will Levis, I think, probably absolutely right on. Um, so I really hope Packers still take him, although he is a kind of stereotypical guy you think would fit into a Shanahan tree offense that uh, Matthew Floor runs. So maybe that would happen. I think Richardson, Anthony Richardson out of Florida, would be a clear project quarterback that the Packers could bring on to see if Jordan Love you know, has it. And you bring R- R- Richardson on for a couple of years and... If love doesn't have have it, you hands the reins to Richardson and then rinse and repeat until you find a guy. He's also Anthony Richardson is also oh my oh goodness! I, I I said that um, uh, Darnell Washington and Lucas Van Ness were athletic freaks. Uh, Anthony Richardson's absolutely an athletic freak, uh, like even more so than those two other guys. So I I could see Packers even taking him. Being like, okay, here's something of a backup plan for Jordan Love. In the short term, they don't have a backup quarterback on the roster anyway. And I'm sure we could scheme up a couple of packages where we throw Anthony Richardson in from time to time. Because he is a unique talent that would make sense for doing that. But that is our round one mega preview. Your comprehensive guide for round one of the NFL draft for Green Bay Packers fans. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. I would love to hear any feedback you have on this kind of longer podcast episode that we did here. Uh, I hope you can tell that I put a lot of work into this one. Uh, I did a lot of reading, did a lot of writing. Uh, I hope to bring you the best product that I could hear while keeping this under an hour. Um, but going through the names of guys that I think would make sense for the Packers draft in round one. Um, obviously there's a lot of different guys who are getting mocked in round one of the NFL draft, but these are the ones that I really could see the Packers drafting, and the reason part of this list went so deep is because I really do think the Packers are going to pick twice in the first round here, uh, or at least they're not just going, they're not going to pick at 13 and then not again, or they're going to pick somewhere else that just isn't 13, whether that's they pick at 13 and back later, or they don't pick a 13 Uh So, try to give it to you, best I could, in as concise a manner as I could, giving you the highlights on all these guys on their scouting reports. As a reminder, after round one has wrapped, we're going to go live on Twitter Spaces. Uh, I'm going to have a guest or two in there with us talking, breaking down round one of the NFL drafts for the Green Bay Packers uh, from the Packers' perspective, and then talking about what we can expect the Packers to do in round two. And three on day two of the NFL draft. So, tune into the NFL draft. We'll go live on Twitter Spaces around 11 p.m. since the draft begins at seven. And that first round typically takes around four hours. So, follow me on Twitter at Kedrick Stubberus. Follow the podcast at Scotty Six Pack. And that is all for today's edition of the Scotty Six Pack. Follow us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts to start every day with everything you need to know in Wisconsin sports while you're there. Leave a nice review. Five stars. Kind comments. Tell some folks what you like about the show. Helps the show grow and allow me to produce even better content for everyone. This episode especially. I would love your feedback. DM me on Twitter. Mention me on Twitter. Put in the Apple Podcast reviews. Would love to know what you think about this longer, form episode. Really, really would appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. I've been your host, Kendrick Stumbrist. On Wisconsin.